Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Valentine morning. You know, it is over overcast and, and a little drizzly. Just one of those romantic days, you know. It's uh, I don't know if the ladies around the Destin area requested this so that it would be a little cozy or what, but uh, just got back from my men's breakfast. Had a great breakfast with Tessa's boyfriend. He came and hung out with us and just had a wonderful time. We are in Mark DeMoss's book, The Little Red Book of Wisdom. It's a powerful book, something that I believe... I believe if you study it, it can change your life. We're in chapter 2, stay under the umbrella, finding and keeping your focus in life. Mark writes something here from the Earl of Beaconfield. It says, the secret of success is, success is cons- consistency in purpose. The secret of success is consistency in purpose. Now, it's interesting because we hear a lot of stuff about purpose, you know, purpose-driven life, purpose-driven church, purpose-driven this, purpose-driven that. But, man, when you're just going through the crap of life, sometimes it's hard to stay focused. When you're a CEO of a company, it's hard to stay focused. Everybody's out after you. The competition's after you. The team wants you to make changes. You want to stay ahead of, of the curve. Listen to this story that Mark shares. He says, years ago in Hong Kong, there lived a missionary named John who had a knack for getting things done. In a densely crowded and difficult city, that that brand of talent attracts attention, particularly among American businesses salivating over the lucrative eastern market. One day, the ranking executive of a squirt gun manufacturer invited John to lunch at a well-known Hong Kong restaurant. It was the posh but crowded dining room where the executive slipped $600 to the owner and was escorted with John to the prime corner table. Napkins had barely hit the lap when the executive leaned to John and said, We'll pay you a salary of two hundred grand and provide you with a nice office and a car and a driver if you'll come to work for us. Perhaps in too casual of a way for the executive's pride, John said, not interesting. Thinking to himself, he said later that he could have saved the guy 600 plus on lunch. When the businessman pressed with, how much are you making now, John didn't hesitate, 8000 a year, he said. But that's not the point. I'm here serving God, doing what I'm supposed to do, and I've never been happier. Now, this is you're going to see where I'm going to take this in business here in a second. At 11 that night, John's phone rang. It's all over Hong Kong that you rejected that big offer at lunch today. An, an agitated voice with a German accent said, I would like to know why. The caller wouldn't take tomorrow morning for an answer, and 40 minutes later, still in his jammies, John sat across a kitchen table from his visitor. His visitor said, everyone at the American Chamber knows what you did. I had to hear for it. I had to hear it myself. Telling me about the incident years later, John tried to explain why the squirt gun bid and offer didn't entice him. 
He said, Mark, I call it staying under the umbrella. Get out from under the umbrella and you get wet. I knew my calling and purpose. I wasn't going to let money or anything else sidetrack me. Now, for folks, for close to 30 years, I've been telling people when they say, Troy, what company should I join? What business should I open? I always ask them, what is it that you would do if money wasn't no object? What is it that's your hobby? What is it that's your passion? What is it that you do now and you don't get paid for it? See, that's your purpose in life. I debate this on stages. I'll I'll be debating this in March at the National Convention for the Association of Network Marketing Professionals. Because I've seen over and over and over where people that succeed in business succeed because there's a higher calling on their life. I'm not talking some spiritual thing right here. I mean, they have something that's a burning passion so deep in their soul that they're going to do it. Bill Gates said, I want to make sure that my operating system is on 95% to 100% of all the computers in the world because I know I can help people have an experience. Steve Jobs said, I want people to have an experience with our devices. I don't want to have to recreate the wheel. Do you know Steve Jobs has never been a category creator but it seems like all of his products end up becoming category leaders. When you look at stuff, the the tycoons of the past, the railroad giants, it wasn't about the money. It was about doing something that had never been done, crossing land that had never been conquered, to be able to bring two sides of a great nation together as one. Sometimes it's a small calling in a pastor's heart, like Pastor Eric, my pastor, who as he was dumping his father's ashes in the Gulf of Mexico, felt the calling to come home and to be able to create and start a church that would be known as a church for the real world, for people that didn't have all the answers but were looking for something. Everyone has a calling. The sad thing is most of us get out from underneath the umbrella. You know, John today is well past 70s. He's been serving people his whole life in Hong Kong, Asia, Africa, dozens of places, some that we Americans probably couldn't even pronounce. And you want to know what lies behind him is not 200000 a year with a squirt gun company. What lays behind him is a trail of new children's camps, orphanages, churches, and lives changed forever. Now ask yourself, are you in the place you're supposed to be? And if you are, are you fulfilling your calling? My little brother comes to mind in this one. My little brother got his ordination, what they call he became a preacher. That's what we lay people say. But he's not preaching at a church. He's an electrician by trade, and and that's what he's doing. He's still being an electrician. And every now and then we'll chat. I'll say, how's it going? Because, man, it's doing great. I'm right where God wants me to be. Now, each of us are different. Some that are hanging out aren't into the, the God thing. 
But are you where you're supposed to be? Are you truly happy? Do you get up every morning excited about what you're doing? See, that's the key that you have to ask. That's what you've got to you've got to do. That's that's how you've got to build what you're building. See, John called it an umbrella. Mark calls it focus. That internal compass that keeps a person on track with their gifts, their purpose, and their goals. It's tough, isn't it? Man, it's tough for me. I mean, i got a pretty big family. Trying to stay focused sometimes it will freak you out. But see, at the end of the day, this is what it's all about. At the end of the day, it's about focus where it's supposed to be. Being under the umbrella, I challenge you all to go buy an umbrella. Put it on your desk. Carry it with you. Think about what that means. Think about that ramification of that. If you want to reach your your, your purpose and your goals, then you've got to stay on track with your gifts. Now, everybody has a different set of gifts. And and I'm not just talking, for for some of you of a a faith-based nature, I'm not even talking about just spiritual gifts. Although I think that's good. It's good that you know what those are. You know, if somebody says, Troy, what are your gifts? I'd say, well, I, I discernment, being able to read people, kind of getting inside of things. What 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 the Christian world calls prophecy, what the business world would call trends, I'm able to, to track things and look at the trends and predict where the future is going to go in certain businesses. I've got a gift of encouragement of writing and of teaching. I'm I'm pretty mellow compared to some people. And those gifts actually blend over into my business life. I'm not I don't have the gift of being the greatest dad, greatest husband, greatest father, you know, out there. I'm I, I screw that one up, but it, but my gifts help me stay focused in those areas. Helps me to get better. In business, I'm I'm not the best at everything. I'm the most I'm the lousiest prospector and recruiter there is. But I know how to lead, I know how to encourage, I know how to build a team. See, the question is, are you staying focused or are you hopping? See, there's a there's a debate that's been raging inside of the direct selling world for several years saying multiple streams of income are the way to go. But, yeah, see, when you're in multiple streams of income running different businesses with, with different teams... It's hard to stay focused. It, it it just doesn't work that way. And and the sad thing is this has become a, an epidemic in our society today. People are having a hard time staying focused. They don't have that compass that says this is what we're doing, this is where we're going, this is how it's going to get done. In 19, or I guess it was 2002, a report was published by the, the uh, Bureau of, of Labor Statistics. Listen to what it says. And in an 18-year span, each person that were ages 18 to 36 means they were born between 57 and 64, baby boomers. Here's the kicker. 17% had held 15 or more jobs, practically a different job every year. 18% had changed employment fewer than five times. That's kind of weird. What happened to that? 
that old American dream where you found a, a company, you stuck to it, you retired and got the gold watch. See, that's not happening anymore. The average person held at least 10 jobs during that same time period. When I looked at that, it amazed me. Because I, I remember people telling me, just go to school, get a degree, go get your job and stick with it. I, I, I was in Kansas City, so you know it was go to the Ford plant, go to the GM plant, go get a good job, go to one of the airlines, go to the trucking companies. But yet that's not what happened. Here's Walt, what Walt Disney suggested. This is sound familiar because this is where I got it. It says, Walt Disney used to advise people to find a job that you like so much that you'd do it without compensation, then do it so well that people will pay you to continue to do it. But yet most people today don't even know what that is. They just jump from job to job to job. See, it's not about a job. It's about a calling. It's about a career, a profession, if you will. It's about knowing where you're supposed to be going. And finding a vehicle that will get you there. Do you realize that whether you're in network marketing, whether you're building your own brick-and-mortar business somewhere, whether you're working for somebody else, the actual career is supposed to be the vehicle to fulfill your purpose. If you've got somebody that's focused, you'll get loyalty. If you get loyalty, you'll get longevity. See, this is something I think most people don't realize. We get default. You want to know why there's so much divorce? And, and and you guys know how I do. I mean, I try to blend business with, with pleasure. Here's the reason there's so much divorce. People don't stay focused. See, we made vows that we would love. It's basically unconditionally. There wasn't a condition unless you just wrote your vows and said, I'll love you except during these periods of time or I'll love you until I find somebody hotter than you, or I'll love you until this, or I'll love you if you do this for me or to me. See, when you're focused, then you understand you've made the commitment you're going to do this. This is where you're supposed to be. I think this is why we see so many people not getting married now. It's because what they're doing is they're trying on relationships like people seem to be trying on jobs. So the question is, what do we do? Is this the norm? How can we think outside the status quo if that's what the normality is now? That's crazy when you think about it. We wonder why people jump from our teams, from network marketing company to network marketing company to network marketing company, and the reason they do it is because they're not focused. They're not under the umbrella. They don't have a clue what it is that they've been called to do. So why we would think network marketing would be any different than corporate America is beyond me because it's all the same. Let's switch from individuals to organizations. How many of us have walked into offices to make money or to serve, only to scratch the surface and find the place has no direction, no clarity of purpose? I had that happen to me in 2010. It just happens. I've got clients. That's why they they pay me, is to help them get that clarity, help them get that focus. That's why Mark gets paid the kind of money he gets paid. There's a company. It's run by 
a man named Harvey Mackey. I love his books, Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. Great set of books. I think it's five or six of them. Listen to what he writes in here about about Mackey, or, or yeah, McKay, I guess, Mackey Envelope Company. It's not one of those that has no direction or no purpose. Harvey was 25 when he founded the company that lives up to its name. Now the Minneapolis-based manufacturer is worth $85 million. His 500 employees produce 23 million envelopes a day. Mackey preaches his practices in five books, including the bestseller, Swim with the Sharks. Several years ago, Mark says he heard Harvey Mackey address a small group of public relations executives in Phoenix. Something he said that day continues to ring in Mark's head. Now, this is is powerful. Listen to this. Our stated mission at Mackey Envelope Company, he said, is to be in business forever. That's it. To be in business forever. The company's focus is set. The employees don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, I hope we do everything. Every decision that's made from the corporate office down is done with the fact our mission is to be in business forever. They don't diversify into Mackey envelopes and energy drinks. They don't they don't diversify into Mackey's envelopes and stationery company. They make daggum envelopes. They just make better envelopes and more of them than anybody else. Simple, but profound. Now let's look at an organization much larger. Matter of fact, the, the late Peter Drucker, who was the world's most known management expert, said that this company is the most effective organization in the United States. Annually, it has a $2 billion budget, operates with a global workforce of 3.5 million, which are staffs and volunteers. They have more than 30 million clients a year who benefits from its mission. You want to know what its mission is? To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. You and I know it as the Salvation Army. Founded in 1865 in England, 15 years later it was moved to the United States. And Robert Watson, who was there as the highest ranking U.S. officer, said this. We still operate under the same name and offer our customers the same dual product of salvation and service as we did a century ago. Now, here's the fun thing about this. If you were to look at all the Dow Jones industrials that started in, that were listed in 1896, the only one that's still in business today is General Electric. See, the rest of them weren't focused. But yet, here's the Salvation Army running with volunteers that has been called the most effective organization in the United States because it makes it clear that even if the best ideas land on their doorsteps, they're not going to get them because their mission is very simple. We want to be able to serve people and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and not discriminate. That's pretty powerful. 
when you think about people like that, when you think about the the organizations in your mind that you can say, man, these, these companies have been around this long. You know, one that comes to mind, too, actually, is Avon and the Watkins Company. Both of them started in the 1800s. Both of them still in business today. Both of them direct selling companies. And then I look at Mark, and you wonder, why, Troy, do you care so much about this guy? What is it that he, he – this is his focus. As the president of the DeMoss Group, I'm in my second job since college in the same field as my first, and I've always loved my work. Now, I've done a lot of different things. I, I, I'm like the statistic. I've been a bounty hunter, been a bondsman, been a construction worker, been a door-to-door salesman been a bodyguard in the executive of several different companies, both inside and outside of the direct selling arena. But you want to know where I always came back to, where my love is, is in the direct selling industry, commonly known as network marketing or MLM. You want to know why? Not because, not because this is some crazy industry unlike all others. The reason I keep coming back is because I love people, and I know I've been called to help to serve people to reach their full potential. And this is where I have the most influence. This is where I know that there's people out there that I'll never meet, that can never do anything for me, that some word of wisdom that I've prayed that morning, Lord, please give me words of wisdom that will penetrate somebody's heart to help them do something better. That's where I get to do that. Like Mark and his company, I focus strictly on the direct selling industry. He focuses on Christian organizations and causes. I may be a little bit more defocused than Mark because I, I focus in four major areas. He focuses in one. I'm going to give that strong thought, and I may make some huge changes in what we're doing because I believe that if we focus right and we do things right, that the sky can be the limit on where we're going. See, that's the passion that I have for people. Mark writes this. I thought this was very good. He says, focus is fine to write about, and the stories in this chapter may make it look simple, even simplistic. But I know well that focus for individuals and groups is the exception. See, people who want to claim or reclaim their true north need to start by examining their passions and by asking what makes their hearts leap. See, I think that's what we're coming to today. See, you may be knowledgeable about a lot of things, but what's the one thing that you actually have wisdom at? What's the one thing that that when you wake up in the morning, it's got your heart? When you go to bed at night, it's got your heart. When somebody wants to talk about it, it's got your heart. It might be a cause. It might be a creation. What is it? See, once you can pinpoint that, you're going to start getting under that umbrella. You're going to start to to have that in. You're going to start to know what it is that you've got to you've got to fix and that you've got to clean up. It makes your heart leap. 
Mark writes this. He says, corporations and organizations with blurred visions must invest the, must invest the sweat equity to produce a brief mission statement. The briefer the statement, the harder the work. Then begin a day at a time, a decision at a time, to forego the good for the great. I thought that was profound. we got to start with one step. But it's going to take sweat equity. You're going to have to bust your butt to build it. I'm going to close with this one thing out of the book. Focus is the discipline to say no to anything off mission. And that is true freedom. Focus is the discipline to say no to anything off mission. And that is true freedom. That brings up, in, in the last minutes here, King David. As I, as I study King David... A man that was violent, a man that that loved women, would, would admire them from the rooftop. You know, as the king, you get to be higher than everybody else, so he'd watch them taking their baths, a little bit of a voyeur he was. Ended up setting up one man to be murdered so that he could do it with his wife. Well, actually, he'd already done it with his wife, and she was pregnant, so he's trying to cover up his, his indiscretions. Long story short, in between all of his actions is a boy to a man. Most of it he was on the run for many, many years. He had a focus. He knew God had called him to be the king. He knew that he had to fulfill the law based on what was written. So even when he had the opportunity to kill the current king or to make the current king put him in a position where he would have died. David stayed focused on the big mission and the big mission was to be obedient to God's word. In our life today, we've got to look at ourselves and say, are we being obedient to our purpose? Are we being obedient to what we have been called for? If you're a Christian or call yourself a Christian, then then you've got to say, am I being obedient to what God has called me to do? If you're not, then you've got to look at it and say, am I being obedient to what I feel my calling is in life, my purpose, my mission, my direction? If you have to say no to all of that, then it's time that you start getting the sweat equity in. It's time to start seeing what makes your heart leap. It's time to get under that umbrella. See, that's the key to being able to find the true wisdom of where you're supposed to go. Tomorrow, tackle something so difficult you'll never want to do it again. In other words, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. It's going to be fun tomorrow. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here with us for RealMentorsRadio.com.